Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about mastering alchemy, creating energetic boundaries, and how to access higher consciousness. On today's show, we'll be featuring our guest, Jim Self. He's an international speaker, author, and leader in the field of spiritual development. He's been leading seminars on personal energy management and the tools of mastering alchemy for over 30 years. Since childhood, Jim has had the ability to recall his experiences within the sleep state. Jim is the co-author of the interactive book, A Course in Mastering Alchemy, Tools to Shift, Transform, and Ascend, and Spirit Matters, Down-to-Earth Tools for a Spirited Life. I have also read A Course in Mastering Alchemy, and we'll dive into that book. Jim also offers free live webinars, videos, and audio recordings, and essential tools on his website, which is www.masteringalchemy.com. Thank you so much for joining, Jim. Oh, Yasmin, my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. So I want to go to this point of the belief systems that we pick up from our parents, our teachers, and society, and letting go of like our own kind of individual beliefs and the access to the spiritual field. Are you saying that everyone has the ability to heal themselves, um, or do people have to be born with this gift? No, everybody has the ability to heal themselves. But understanding the process of what makes you sick is uh, is the understanding of how do you heal yourself. And so if that's your question, that's a, a, a more involved answer. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious if you can share with us, you know, how... Sure. So what happens is we grow up in that space of trying to figure ourselves out as little kids, as individuals. And we grow up in a world that in this space that I'm going to call the third dimensional world, this world that we all grow up in, it is constructed with a lot of rules and structures to it. And many of those rules or structures are just things that we do all day long. We just move through life based on these rules and structures. We can talk about those in a few minutes. But in the process of that, we begin to do what the rules and structures say to do. And a lot of that is expressed through parents and teachers and the religious uh, teachers that we have. And they basically say, this is how life works. But you know the experience of wanting to do something and being excited about doing something and being very much engaged with creating something and then having somebody tell you, no, you can't, or that's not how we do it, or what's wrong with you is the message. What's wrong with you? And so we each as individuals, as you come into this body, are all about being a creator being, creating things and experiencing ourselves. And as you start to want to create, a lot of what we begin to do is exploring how our world around us works. And when that gets shut down because of no, you can't, and particularly what's wrong with you type of statements, we begin to shut down how we experience ourselves. If you get told no long enough, you get terrified or fearful 
or you just really get the message what you're doing is not okay. But a lot of times what you're doing is your joy and your passion and your excitement. So when they, teachers, etc., parents, begin to say no, 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 and then add to it what's wrong with you, that begins to vibrate in the body in a disbalanced state of awareness. And so if you begin to understand the mechanics of illness, the mechanics of illness operate in these four bodies, your spiritual space, your mental space, emotional space, physical space. And so if a person is in joy and in their happiness, in that spiritual space, everything is flowing. There's nothing out of balance in that minute when you're happy. But if somebody says to you, that's a that's wrong what you're doing, you first have a thought, mental process, and you slow down, you fall out of your space of joy, or somebody yells at you or punishes you, it's like your first thought is, oh no, I'm bad, or I did something wrong. And that thought then has an emotion to it, a fear attached to it, or an off-balanceness attached to it. So in that mental state, you go from a state of ease into a state of dis, put a big hyphen in the middle of it, ease. and you. But you immediately drop into the emotional state, and that hyphen gets much smaller into a space of dis-ease. I'm off balance. Uh, this doesn't feel good. If a person is lives their life in that space, that off-balance dis-ease begins to drop finally into the physical body. And so think about it this ter- in this way. Have you ever seen or have you ever been frightened or somebody you know, jumps out in front of you and says, boo, whatever that means, and you tense up, the body tenses up, or you get yelled at, body tenses up, and then it goes away. But quite often, we don't relax back to where we were before that tension occurred. And so... Over time, if you get told you're not okay, you're not doing it right, you're not capable, you're not attractive, you don't fit, here are the rules, and they're not your rules, that state of mental, emotional off-balanceness, restrictions, begins to drop into the physical body. And as that tension builds up in the physical body, it begins to create an irritation, and then it creates an inflammation, and then eventually you things begin to break. Have you ever seen somebody walk around with their shoulders up around their ears? If you really think about it, somewhere in their life, they have been threatened or told they're not okay, and the body's tightened up, and they've never released their shoulders. So this state of healing yourself is very much about what are the thoughts that you hold, and what are the emotions that you attach to those thoughts? I'm not okay, does not feel good in the body, whereas I'm happy and joyful and I'm having the best time of my life, and this is so much fun, feels very different in a physical body. So your question, can you heal yourself? You are the healer of yourself in real terms. 
Jim, thank you so much for that. And can you tell our audience more about uh, some terms that you just introduced, which were the spiritual body, the physical body, the emotional body? And I think it would be really great if you could also talk about um, thoughts and emotions and how to clear them. Sure. Yeah. You are a spiritual body having a human experience, as it's been said. You're not a human body having a spiritual experience. So as a spiritual being that you are, you are infinite. And that spiritual nature of you, soul, wants to know itself. And so you wind up having different lifetimes, trying to keep it real simple. And in each one of those lifetimes, there's maybe an agenda, a plan, a purpose. You wanted to experience something. And so you come into this physical space, this physical lifetime that we're in, and in this lifetime, you begin to have all of those experiences I just mentioned. As you grow up, you begin to get more information. You begin to be more capable at processing information. Uh, Just think about it in terms of just you know, you, you start to speak, you start to walk, you start to move around, you start to learn things, you begin to do arithmetic, and then you do another form of mathematics, or you begin to learn about history. So that mental body is not the brain. The mental body is your ability to construct thoughts and process thoughts and move around in such a way to where you can experience those thoughts as building something or creating something or just simply eating different foods. I have this thought about, I'll try Chinese food today. I'll try Lebanese food tomorrow. You begin to have mental awareness about different things. The emotions are what generally people feel in their body. And one of the things that happens in this process of beginning to experience yourself is a big word, discerning, deciding for yourself between what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And that's all part of that mental, emotional place. But what happens is and, and this get thoughts, the thoughts you think are very electrical and the emotions you feel are very magnetic. And so keep that real simple. But what happens is when I am threatened or something happens to cause me to become off balance or concerned, or when something happens that makes me angry, let's say, What most people do is they have a thought and then there's an immediate emotion that's attached to it. It's like something's not right and somebody just starts to yell or scream in a state of anger. There was no thought that says, oh, maybe the little child spilled the glass of water and it was an accident and they didn't know any better versus what's wrong with you, little child? that emotion, that screaming comes out with no thought and no managing of an emotion in many people's realities. And so this process of how we manage our thoughts and manage our emotions begin to be something that is a learned set of skills. 
it is not just something that happens in life. And for the most part, you don't get taught how to manage yourself and particularly how to manage that energetic field of energy that's referred to as an aura that is around you. And that's now we're starting to be what is the tools and skills applied in mastering alchemy. And Jim, can you tell the audience um, how to do a grounding exercise with thoughts and emotions? Because I think like for those um, folks who may be new to grounding, uh, we actually had an entire episode just on grounding uh, your body and being more connected to the earth and and dropping all your energy down to the the earth. But I I love the way that you articulated it, especially with thoughts and emotions. Steve, this concept of grounding is an electrical component that comes with the body. Now, what happens is, and we are all grounded naturally. You look at a little baby and they're very present, particularly kids today. They're very present in their self and they're very grounded. What happens is we begin to get into a space where we are not managed or we get into a space, let's call it of fear. Something happens that we're in fear. One of the pieces that makes life, um, and let me set this up for grounding for you. One of the things that makes life challenging, one of the rules or structures in the third dimensional game will sound very odd if this is the first time you've heard it. But if I said to you, what is time? What most people would say back is time is past, present, future, and then you die. And that's what time is. And if you ask 100 people, basically 99 of them would tell you without, and they'd probably look at you strange, like, why would you ask such a silly question? And they would say, that's what time is. But time is not just past, present, future, and you die. It is an application. And the reason I'm saying that is one of the things that happens that gets everybody ungrounded is we spend a lot of time in the past and in the future. And so when I did something in my past that I don't like, I I hope nobody knows about it, um, I'm all uncomfortable about it, or I'm threatened by something in my past, generally we look into the future to hope it doesn't happen again or hope nobody finds out about it. But You can't create in the past and you can't create in the future in the future. So the only place you really exist is right now, right this minute. You don't exist two seconds from now and you don't exist two seconds ago. But what happens is when you put most of your time into worrying about or hoping for, you are not in the present moment. And in that future and past, there's no grounding. You can't be grounded. You're just hoping or worrying. But when you can take a breath and you can be right here where you're listening to this conversation, right now you're in the present. You're not thinking about breakfast or dinner tonight. You're right here listening to this conversation. If you took a breath and you just simply relaxed in the chair you're sitting, take a breath, relax. What happens is that grounding, that just feeling of weight in on the chair begins to bring your attention to this grounding cord. 
And that grounding cord runs from the tip of the spine to the center of the earth. It's always there. What happens is you're not always there. All of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I've got to worry about tomorrow. You just went into tomorrow. Grounding doesn't happen in tomorrow. Grounding happens in the present time. So when a person gets off balance or starts to worry, really the most effective thing you can do is stop, take a breath, take a couple of breaths, and ground the body. Just simply say hello to that line of energy from the tip of the spine and actually then take charge of your experience. So all this worry that I'm in, ground down through the grounding cord. And then just sit there and allow the body to start to calm down. That's the effectiveness of the grounding cord. So important. And I love the analogy of the baby because, you know, babies are not like concerned about the future or, you know, they're just real time, present moment. They can go from laughing to crying within 10 seconds. So, Right. Yeah. They have their experience. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jim, when did you realize that you had senses beyond the five senses? I mean, you did speak about how you knew that you had been born with this and that you had kind of never forgotten when you were young. But what is what does that even mean? I think for, for most people, they don't really understand what it even means to have senses beyond the five senses. So what are some uh, popular senses? So one of the things that will put it in this context, how do you know something that you don't know? And what I mean by that is a lot of times you'll be thinking about something and you don't know the answer and all of a sudden you get an answer. Where did that come from? Or have you ever looked at somebody, this one's called clairsentience, the one I'm going to explain, and you look at somebody and you instantly don't like them. Or you look at somebody and you realize that person's not honest. Now, how do you know that? So that's not one of your five senses. Well, in this first case, it's called clairsentience. And somebody might say, well, I just have this gut feeling about that person. You can't trust that person. And quite often they're correct. And so what happens is this is in that there's something called second chakra right below the belly button. And in that second chakra, there's a little sonar machine. And the sonar machine sends out a pulse. And it basically asks one question. It simply asks the question, what is that feeling? And the purpose of this little sonar machine is if you're in present time and you're standing in the middle of one of your great bazaars in your part of the world, and there's lots of motion and there's arguments over here and there's lots of movement over there. One of the things, and you're not sure about where you are or what you're doing. One of the things that this little sonar machine basically does is says in, in my proximity, am I safe and what's going on? And so it sends out this little pulse and it asks one very specific question. It says, what is that feeling? And so that person over there is happy and that person over there is mad. And this person over here is angry and I don't want to be by that person. And so it gives you a reference in that capacity to feel energy and feel emotions of other people. And so very useful experience. And most people have had that experience. 
understanding how to basically allow it to be a piece of information is a learned process, but a very valuable process. Then there's clairvoyance, which simply means clear seeing. It's not even mystical. It's just clear seeing. So if I said to you right now, I I want you to see uh, a big mountain with lots of green trees on it and a blue sky and puffy white clouds, two puffy white clouds. And then I said, did you see that? And most people would say in that context, oh, yeah, I I can see that picture or I can remember that. That's simply your clairvoyance, clear seeing the description of an example. But there's more to that also. And that's the space where have you ever been around somebody and they're lying to you? Yes. And you're just sitting looking at them and it's like, <laughs> you're simply lying to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you know that? And, and in fact, they're congruent with their lie, but you're simply looking at this and they're dancing around. It's like, hey, this is going to be really good for you. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Quite often that's clairvoyance. And so very valuable skill. And it's a skill that everybody has. We just Don't trust it or stop looking at it or, oh, no, I was told to give that up when I was a child. There's another one that's called telepathy. And people sometimes think this is a terrible thing. Do you ever finish other people's sentences for them? It's like, oh, that's so embarrassing. And, oh, that's rude. (laughs) No, it's not at all. It's a huge skill set that has great value to you. So how do you know what they were going to just say? If you think about it, you do this actually quite often, all the time, if you are with somebody who is a good friend or a sibling, let's say, that you're really close to. All that's happening is, I like you because you're like me, and I match my energy to your energy. And so we begin to function in the same way. Have you ever had the experience with somebody who says, gee, Let's, I think we should go now, and you know exactly where they're going to tell you to go, and you both turn around and start walking to it before they finish their sentence. That's simply knowing what they're thinking, keep it real simple, and what they're about to say. That's called narrow band telepathy. That's a, it's a spiritual ability. It's a psychic ability, however you want to use that set of words. But when a person can begin to manage themselves in terms of being in present time, being grounded, that's when those abilities start to become available. But there's one thing that is not understood by most people is a lot of the now this is, you got to hear this because it's an absurd statement on the face of it. Most of the thoughts that you think and most of the beliefs that you hold are not yours. Now, that's an outrageous statement. But if you begin to just sit back, where did you get all those beliefs and all those thoughts? And how many of them have you validated for yourself? Or did you just accept them from the mom, dad, teacher personalities? As you get to about puberty, that's when you start to say, I can do this myself. And that's when you begin to actually start to look at what are what's interesting to you. What are your truths? But to a great extent, quite often that person that I don't like over there 
there's no reason why I don't even know that person. Why don't I like that person? Well, that person's wearing a blue shirt. And that's the same color of blue shirt that my father used to wear all the time. And my father was a mean person. So all of a sudden, I have a reference point to something that I'm not paying any attention to that triggers a set of memories into my past. But there's another part to this is all of those thoughts that are passing through your space, where do they come from? And to a great extent, they're the thoughts of all the people around you, or they could be anywhere in the world. But basically, they're not your thoughts. So have you ever wondered, why am I moody? Why am I off balance? Why am I angry today? I got up this morning. It was a great morning. And I'm angry. It's not even your anger. Now, this is where in Mastering Alchemy, you you begin to play with tools that start to allow you to have a sense of yourself in relationship to everything around you. Because, see, without knowing where, well, let me, without knowing where the edge of your aura is, and without being able to define that from the edge of my aura to my heart is me, and everything on the other side of the edge of my aura is kind of Shakespeare's theater to entertain me. It's not me. It's the theater. So how do I find the edge of my aura? And so here's a real simple tool that everybody can play with. And here's how we'll do it. What I'm going to ask you to do is take your left hand and stick it, your arm and stick it straight out in front of you. And then simply turn the palm of your hand towards you. Plus or minus an inch or a couple of centimeters is the edge of your energy field, your aura. This goes all the way around you, above you, below you. But if you were to use, and we use a simple tool, uh, a simple reference point, we use a rose. Pretty much everybody knows what a rose is. So if you would hold your hand out there and turning your palm towards you, and create a mental image picture. Just imagine, a, let's call it a red rose. And just right between your thumb and your forefinger, right where your arm is stuck out in front of you, just kind of imagine that rose. And then leave it there. And take your arm and just put it down. And would you be aware of where you put the rose? And would you take a breath and pull your energy, just be on your side of the rose? Just Bring your attention to your side of the rose. All of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but as you kind of sit grounded on your side of the rose, the body calms down. And the reason the body calms down is because you're creating a point of delineation. What I mean is everything from that rose to me is me and everything on the other side belongs to the theater. Now, just think about that concept for a minute. If you can allow that to be interesting, wouldn't it be interesting if you didn't have to be responsible for the theater? Everything on the other side's not your responsibility. You can care about it. You can help. You can assist. You can uplift. But in a way, it's not my problem. And if you can bring your attention to your side of the rose, 
and be grounded, you begin to quiet down actually pretty quickly. You also, from that point of reference, begin to observe a lot of things that you're engaged with in life and realize they're not even your idea. You just do things because kind of I'm supposed to do things. But many of these things that you do are just out of habit. And many of them aren't even your idea. And so as you begin to start to get into present time, right now, my side of the rose grounded, and you just make, it's like go somewhere and sit and watch people, even people you know, and do it from your side of the rose. Now, you're not judging them. You're not uh, having an opinion about it. You're just watching it from the question is, how I normally play this out with these people, is this what I want to do? And you'll begin to be absolutely amazed at how much time you spend in the motion and the noise of the motion and the noise of other people's habits of moving around. Super powerful. It's a super powerful tool, Jim. And um, it's interesting because whenever I would encounter, you know, energy vampires, I would, you know, especially if I'm not aware that I have, you know, any open spaces in my field, um, I could sense, you know, the rose really makes a huge impact when I just set it up and I'm like, nope, that's what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. I'm going to keep you out of my space. So I'm not all of a sudden, you know, in their narrative. And I, I love that you, you talk about how most of the thoughts that we think are not ours. And I think that is way more true even today than ever before, because most people don't have time to actually think about what they believe, right. And what, what they, what they think is their own narrative. I think a lot of people are running borrowed narrative themes in their mind all day long and, and not really reflecting. And so, um, so I think that it's such a powerful tool. And Jim, can you talk a little bit about uh, being in the center of your head and the eye of Horus? Um, I think that it's an important concept for our audience to understand as well with uh, grounding. Sure. So, so let's put these two pieces together, what we just said. One of the pieces, uh, especially today, when you are not just look around at everybody you know or the world around you they're not the look at the world they're not grounded they're not in present time they're listening to conspiracy theories they're basically not discerning for themselves is this true for me or is this not true for me they're just simply being flooded by all kinds of things on social media particularly that has no no means for the individual to validate for themselves is this is true or not true on the face of it, let alone is this true or not true for me. So when a person becomes grounded uh, on your side of the rose and in the center of your head, the center of your head's a really big deal. The center of your head is the space that's right behind your eyes. And so if you're sitting listening to this and you're in present time listening to this and you're being quiet, if you were to simply close your eyes, take a breath, and then be behind your eyes looking through your eyes even though they're closed. And 
you know what the wall looks like in front of you in the room you're sitting in. From the center of your head, behind your eyes, looking through your eyes, eyes closed, you just, there's your clear, there's your ability to see clearly. There's the room, there's the wall. What happens is the center of your head is one of the most vulnerable places that you have because the center of your head is like the command center. If you're in the center of your head, quiet, grounded, your ability to discern what is my truth versus all the motion that's out there. It doesn't make somebody else's truth right or wrong. It just simply, what is my truth? How do I wish to live my life? You can do your life very respectful, very kind, very allowing of others, and you can live your life. But if you can't get into the center of your head, you don't get into the command center to determine do you want to go right or left at the next stoplight on the road. And so in this space in the center of your head, why I say it's very vulnerable, because have you ever been knocked out of your space? Now, generally what that means is, let's say you're happy and somebody scares you, you get locked out of your space, or somebody screams at you, or somebody points at you and embarrasses you, take those kind of words, and it's like, I got to get out of my body, or I, this isn't good. What happens quite often is when you get yelled at, particularly as a child, and the, the mother father say, what's wrong with you? And they're screaming at you. It's not just the voice that's got you off balance. It's their energy follows that stream of thought right into the center of your head. So when people begin to start to play at learning how to manage themselves and choose for themselves, and there's a whole bunch of tools that we can talk about, but one of the things that happens if I said, be quiet and go into the center of your head and just who's the first person in the center of your head, you have an answer. Now, you don't think about who it is. It's just that first image that comes up. Oh, there's my third grade teacher. Haven't thought about her since third grade, but there she is. And so you begin to realize how important managing the center of your head is. And then there are a whole series of tools of how to take people out of the center of your head. But everything's done first right here from the center of your head. And then as you begin to play with these tools and have a sense of yourself grounded center of your head on your side of the rose, there's another place called the higher mind. And really simple, not complicated. It's just a little bit quieter. It's as if you just raise your attention up a little bit higher in your head and back a little bit further and you get quiet and it's very quiet. You're not doing a lot of thinking. It's not noisy. This is beginning to be what's called the higher mind. And the higher mind is very connected to the heart. And so as you begin to become more capable at managing your skill sets, staying on your side of the rose, being grounded, not going into judgment, reaction, throwing energy at other people around you, beginning to manage yourself, you begin to find yourself in the heart. 
and you start to think from the heart rather than the rational mind. And thinking from the heart, there's compassion, there's allowing, there's a massive word called permission. You have permission. You see, permission is not something that somebody gives you. You own permission, but it's one of those abilities that you were talked out of as a little kid. You'll do what I say. You'll go where I go. You won't go out there because I said so. Does that sound familiar? The mom, dad, teacher basically set these set of rules for you to perform it. And they take away your kind of, they don't give you approval to manage your spiritual abilities. And they don't give you permission to experience your permission to experience yourself. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Jim. And you, you also talk about how most people are not uh, conscious about being unconscious. Like there's, there's a lot of layers yes. to that. Yes. Um, and I also want to just go back really quickly to the last point. Cause I think one thing is about, you know, creating a boundary with the rose, but I think you also talk about being in the center of your head, which to me feels like bringing your awareness back into your own space, because oftentimes we like, and I remember in one of your videos with Roxanne, you actually shared this, how most of our energy goes over there, whatever, whatever we're focused on, we actually like move our power and our energy into another, maybe another person, another place, another space. And so having all of your energy in your own head and in your own body and, and field is a much more powerful way to live. And it also creates, uh, you know, energetic, I would say neutrality where nobody's taking or giving. We're just, we're, we're like seeing each other and, and I'm not feeling depleted, nor do I feel like I've, you know, taken from someone. So, um, I think it's a really powerful way to be. And I think, you know, the world would be very different if, if everyone learned that. Um, so just wanted to thank you for that. And Jim, can you talk about the seven uh, words? I, I guess you call them the seven living words and how they can change one's life. Yeah. So one of the things that happens when we live our life as we've been living it without these awarenesses that I'm pointing to, one of the things that happens is you have the mind that you think with, well, it's called the rational mind, which is the only mind you're aware of for the most part. It's, it is, um, it has a specific set of functions. Its purpose, the rational mind, is to keep you safe and have you fit in. And when I say keep you safe, I don't mean from getting hit by a car. Keep you safe so that you are acceptable to the society that you live in. And so you don't do wild, irrational things because they would not approve of you if you did that. And so in that space, what we, what, um, we often find ourselves doing is fighting the them and trying to figure out how to navigate my life without upsetting somebody, but finding some level of happiness in my own life. And so we're constantly negotiating our life with this rational mind component of us. And so we spend a lot of time thinking and or we in that thinking, we we kind of manage how we're going to be accepted or fit in 
by the emotions that we play with. And so we'll say, I don't want to make them angry or I don't want to upset them. So here's a piece of information that is very helpful um, is many people ask the question, what's the difference between an emotion and a feeling? And so an emotion has edges to it. Now, this is not a truth. This is a reference point because it doesn't hold up 100 percent. And I can explain that, too. But what happens is in this space where we have emotions, anger, resentment, jealousy, embarrassment, rage, judgment, if you just kind of feel those words, they're edges. They're kind of edgy. But if you go over to feelings, feelings are from the heart. Emotions are from the rational mind understanding how to navigate itself. Feelings, appreciation, gratitude, kindness, laughter, co-creation, cooperation, integrity. There's no edges to those feelings. And those feelings are your feelings. These are who you are. But what happens is we give so much seniority up to the rational mind that we occasionally get into things for a minute. It's like, oh, thank you so much for opening the door for me. Appreciation. And then you walk through the door and it's gone. Or fill in the blank. So one of the things, the question right here is, who are you? Who are you? Now, I'm not talking about the big well, in kind of way I am, it's a big spiritual picture, but let's bring it down to ground level. Who are you? And the answer starts to generate from the rational mind. But what if there was another mechanism for you to know who you are? And so for your listeners, let's play a game. Let me ask you the question, answer the question, and then we'll go to the second question. So have you, do you know what certainty is? Yes. Okay. And see, the answer pretty much is an intellectual answer. Yes, I know what certainty is. But if I said to you, okay, now let's approach it differently. I want you to take a breath and sit back and close your eyes. Please do that. And the question is, do you know what certainty feels like? Right here, can you feel certain? Now, now what happens is you bring your attention to it and something happens in the body. So I begin to sit up. My head goes back. My shoulders go back. And I have to adjust my how I'm sitting in the chair. There's a strength, a, kind of an alignment in the body. Certainty. Now, keep, your, keep everybody out of it. Do you, have you ever been certain now, let's keep it even simpler. Do you know how to put on your pants? Yes. <laughs> Are you certain? You know, you're certain. Now, really? I mean, absolutely, right? You mm-hmm. know how to put on your pants? Okay. I've heard stories that, you know, maybe not. Okay. How does certainty feel when there's no doubt? We're not creating a trick question. We're not creating doubt. It's just like, yes, I can put my pants on. A hundred percent? 
Yes, I can put my pants on 100%. How does it feel? Certain. Certainty. All of a sudden, you start to begin to know yourself. And if you were able to then, if I said, let's just shift it a little bit. Do you know what being capable feels like? Are you capable? Yeah. And so not big, grand, everything in the world. Can you tie your shoes? Keep it really simple. Are you can? What does capable feel like? Capable feels good. It's another one. These the body has emotion to it, and it's kind of a uplifting. And it's a yes, it, yes, I can. Begins to be a little bit more conscious. So when you start to play with the feeling of these words, words are sound tones. Sound tones are vibrations. And everything about consciousness is about vibrations. And so if I said to you words like seniority is a very big one. Do you know, can you close your eyes and be senior in your body? That doesn't mean old. That means this is who I am. This is who I am. And just kind of say that to yourself and feel it. And so but what happens is really here where it begins to make has greater value is when you understand something else. Everything in the physical world versus the non-physical world requires geometry. Very simple. And so the simplest of all geometries and one of the most potent of all the geometries is the equilateral triangle. Three sides, all equal. The angles are equal, the lengths are equal, all equal. And so if you were to basically treat certain and capable, if you were to be certain, feel it as an exercise, I'm giving you an exercise, and then feel capable, and then go back to certain, and then go back to capable, and then be certain and capable. There's a different vibration that gets created. And then add the word seniority to it or add happy to it or kindness to it, certain, capable, happy. And look at it as if it was a triangle and treat it as a platform. I'm standing on this happy, certain, capable. This is who I am. What happens, the whole dynamic of the body begins to shift. I'm on my side of the rose. I'm in the center of my head. I'm grounded. I can now begin to observe from a different platform. That platform, happy, capable, certain, seniority, gracious, commanding your presence, those are energetics of the heart. And when you begin to stand on that platform, where that the where that triangle is, how do you dress today? How do you present yourself today? What happens is you begin to find a very different perspective outside of anger and rage and judgments and outside of the rational mind deciphering how you experience your life. It defines who you are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so much I want to unpack on that question. Um, Jim, I think we'll have to have you on the show again to go deeper into so many of these topics, because I think this is, you know, an introduction for people that may, you know, not have heard about these tools for the first time. And so I definitely want to double click on a lot of these areas, but 
uh, perhaps in another conversation. Um, I have a couple more questions, Jim, before we, uh, before we end, but, but I also wanted to just comment briefly on the, um, the seven living words. I think that it, that that tool also gives people the ability to live a proactive life rather than a reactive life, like leaving, leaving a meeting to chance or leaving your day to chance. Why don't you tell yourself, you know, how you want to feel, um, in the day or within, you know, certain moments. I think for me, that was a very powerful tool. Um, and especially the word seniority, I think just, you know, feeling that in my body, I think it was very, very, uh, healing and important, um, for a lot of, a lot of the different projects that I run. So it's a really powerful tool. Um, Jim, can you tell our listeners what your sort of main takeaway is as we um, wrap up? What What is your kind of like the last main takeaway or thing that you want to tell our audience, maybe about their wellness, about their spiritual journey, and also where people can learn more about you and learn more about mastering alchemy? So the main takeaway is we are in the process of going home, meaning home as a spiritual being, we're stepping out of this third dimension into a fifth and multidimensional space where there is no anger, there is no fear, there is no war, there is no hostility. It doesn't exist. All of this is created in the human consciousness playing in the third dimension. The game is complete. We are now leaving this game. And so what you're watching in the world right now is a transition that is moving from what we have been and currently experiencing and into a state of being that is, as I just described, it's in process. Everybody is going home, but the going home requires unraveling yourself from this set of baggage. There are many on the planet right now that are doing tremendous work at setting into the energetic fields of your consciousness and the earth, your consciousness to be you choosing, nobody does it to you, a different state of consciousness. And if you look around the world right now, particularly the young people are all in this next wave of rising up. I say that positively saying climate change is important, mutual respect is important, recognition of things like Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. This inequity between the rich and the poor is something that cannot be sustained. The young people are basically unraveling this whole configuration, and we're in transition, simply meaning we're not there yet, and we're not going to be there for a while. And so as you watch this elderly grouping of individuals that have grown up in the belief systems from the kind of the 40s through the this current period of time, but that age group, the baby boomers, as they're referred to quite often, as that grouping of people begin to die away, the world wars begin to die away with them, a lot of the old constructs that have created the circumstances we are in are going to be shifted. And 
the people that are in these younger ages, really kind of the millennials and younger, and particularly the ones that have been born since 2012, are inheriting a world that they will transform, but the transformation is in process. And beginning to know yourself and allowing that baggage to just simply begin to evaporate is where we all are playing right now. It's going to be awkward for some period of time, but it's not about the external world. It's about each of our own internal world. Who are we? And which one of those dimensions do you want to play in? And how do you wish to dress yourself in terms of certain and capable and gracious and happy versus angry, resentful and mean? How do you choose? That's the transition. Wow, such a powerful point. And, and Jim, where can people find and learn more about you and Mastering Alchemy? We give away lots of things, and uh, we also have a series of programs. But those lots of things are available on MasteringAlchemy.com. Um, there's free lectures, there's free tools, there's lots of blogs, there's a number of books that we've written. So MasteringAlchemy.com. Wonderful. And for our audience, uh, I have read the book. I have listened to many of Jim's videos and I highly recommend that you check it out. Um, there's so many more resources and tools and we've just honestly scratched the surface in this interview. And I really wanted to bring Jim on the show because I've frankly read hundreds of books in this space and and even just been exposed to so many different topics. And I think that his uh, work and the way that he frames consciousness is just so interesting, innovative, and just incredibly important, especially now in this transition. So thank you so much for your time, Jim. I'm, I'm so grateful that we got a chance to connect. No, Jasmine, my pleasure completely. Thank you. Thank you. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about mastering alchemy, creating energetic boundaries, and how to access higher consciousness. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one -on -one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thanks again.